Our second lesson today comes from the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm reading the first four verses of chapter 16, 1 Corinthians 16. Our hearts are open for God's word. We listen. Now concerning the collection of the saints, you should follow the directions that I gave to the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that collections need not be taken when I come. And when I arrive, I will send any whom you approve with letters to take your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is the word of the Lord. I love to worship in Second Presbyterian Church. This is a fantastic place to worship God. To come into this sanctuary is to sense the Spirit of God present. To come into this sanctuary is to know you are in sacred space. As you may know, this building was designed by a New York architect, a noted New York architect. His name was Menard Lefevre. The first pastor of this church, Dr. Moses Hogue, whose image is on the wall to my left here, determined in 1845 that Richmond didn't need another Grecian-like building with a steeple on the top. Richmond needed a Gothic worship space. Richmond needed, according to Dr. Hogue, a stately, sacred, Gothic church. So Lefevre was hired from New York City to design this church as the first Gothic space to worship in the city of Richmond. Now one of my treasures since becoming the 12th pastor of this great church, is a painting of downtown Richmond circa 1900. It hangs in our den. The the painting of Richmond depicts Richmond from the south across the river, looking across the Manchester Bridge and up to the Richmond skyline and the Capitol. And clear and so distinctive in the Richmond skyline in 1900 is the red stoned four-pronged Gothic spire of Second Presbyterian Church. And it's not just the strong red spire atop this church that we love. There are the pointed Gothic diamond-paned windows of this space. There are the tall Gothic doors all around us. There's the cruciform roof. There's the hammer beam ceiling above us. There's this Gothic reredos behind the pulpit. And we have this fantastic organ and these well-worn pews. Where you sit today, people have come across many decades to pray. Where you sit today, people have come with hearts aching for the gospel, just like we're here. Where you sit today, people have sat and sang their faith, filling this space with their voices, confirming that the Spirit of God is present in this place. 
This is really a great place to worship. It's a great place to lead worship too. A great place to preach. I bet here's something that you didn't know. From this vantage point, in this pulpit, I can see every face in this sanctuary. Every face. I think Moses Hogue was such a great orator when he was thinking about this as the first Gothic church in Richmond and he the first pastor. I think he wanted to be sure that the sight lines from this pulpit would allow him to connect with every single worshiper. Apparently, as Charlie Cook tells me, there are one or two seats in the choir loft that when the new organ was installed, one could actually slip in behind and not be seen from this pulpit. I can see Charlie right now, but (laughs) Charlie tries to slip in and sit and, well, I won't say what else he might do in that seat. I love worship in this space. We all love worship in this space. I love leading worship in this space with you as we stand and we sing our hymns, as we bow our heads and we pray to God our heartfelt prayers, as we lift our faces to God and hope that the good news of the gospel can penetrate into our lives and give us encouragement so we can live into the weak as God's people. We love worshiping in this place, the scripture emanates and covers us. The anthem is sung and covers us and blesses us. That communion elements are passed from this table. We gather at the font. We're all bound together, all of us, in our hungers and in our hopes. We're bound together seeking and serving in this city. We're bound together trying to encourage one another through the ups and downs, the struggles and joys They come our way. Then, one Sunday a year, we do something slightly different. And it's also one of my most favorite Sundays. It's today. We don't just sit and pray and stand and sing and listen to scripture and anthem and have them cover us. We actually get up. As we're going to do today, with our pledges in hand, with our offerings in our hand, and we come forward, each of us, in an act of worship, in a faithful response for God's abiding presence, steadfast love and care in our lives, we come forward and we place our pledges for God's work through this church in this basket. We place our offerings, we place our lives before God. This, for me, is a profoundly beautiful moment of worship. We do it once a year. Our first lesson today from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 26 reminds us why we do this, what we're doing today this act of recommitment. Deuteronomy 26 says this today, you have obtained the Lord's agreement to be your God, for you to walk in God's ways. You have obtained the Lord's agreement. And it says today the Lord has obtained your agreement to be God's treasured people. See, God will be our God and we will be God's people. We're going to live that out. This is the context in which we live our lives. Not only today, but every day. This is the context that we're invited to live 
all of our lives. God is our God and we are God's people. We don't just live. We live in covenant with God. We may find ourselves in particular seasons with particular challenges, with particular joys. But the foundation of our lives is this. God is our God. And we are God's people. So we affirm our everlasting connection to God and we embody our ongoing commitment to live as God's people and we recommit our lives to that purpose to live life as God's people. Sadly, so many people do not live with such a sense of connection and covenant, a sense of purpose related to God. And yet today we embody it. We embody it by coming forward with our pledge cards and with our intentions to live investing in God's work. We're part of this covenant connectedness to God. There's a true story about a man in this church. He gave a generous gift in support of a special project that we were working on in downtown Richmond in ministry together. I expressed my sincere gratitude to this individual and I said thank you in several different ways. But the man stopped me and said, look, Alec, I gave this money because I want to be who I say I am. And then he said, besides, if good things come from this effort that I'm supporting, I'm going to thank you and the church. This generous member knows about the context of his life. God is God. We seek to live life as God's people, affirming who we are with our regular, faithful, generous commitments to God's work. And we all want to be the persons that we say we are. People of the covenant. God's people. Our second lesson today from the last chapter of 1 Corinthians is also most pertinent for this day. You might remember that 1 Corinthians is this long book about lots of majestic and mysterious and cultural and terrific themes. 1 Corinthians is a book where Paul begins by urging in that one letter that in the face of challenges and in the face of divisions that crop up among people... We are to stay rooted in Christ. And then in the next few chapters, in the face of cultural or social issues that want to tear us apart, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that we're to stay focused on Christ and on discipleship. And then as the pages turn in 1 Corinthians, and get, by the time we get to chapter 11, we read the immortal words of Jesus. This is my body. It's broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. And that gives us the words that we use around the Lord's table. And then in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, we have some of the most favorite and familiar words in all of Scripture. We often hear them at weddings, but they're appropriate at so many times. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant or boastful. Love is not rude. Love never ends. And then as we move into chapter 15, Paul's words reach a kind of crescendo uh, to celebrate new life and resurrection life provided by Christ's death and resurrection. These are words from 1 Corinthians 15. Christ has been raised from the dead. And we shall all be changed. 
The mortal nature takes on immortality. The trumpet will sound. Death has lost its sting. Death is swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All that is in 1 Corinthians 15. Then those grand and poetic themes, Paul says after that in chapter 16. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. Paul reminds us that our lives are lived in a certain context. God is our God and we're God's people. Our lives are held from the beginning of time in God's loving and steadfast arms through good days and bad days. We're held by God. Our lives from young to older through dark valleys and tremendous grief where we wondered if we can even get to another day. God is holding us, never leaving us, chasing away the darkness, reminding us the trumpet has sounded. You have victory. Not sickness, not heartache, not new diagnosis, not a typhoon. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Death has lost its sting, Paul reminds us. We have victory. We have hope through Christ, our risen Lord. Lord, and our lives are to reflect that reality. Now concerning the collection for the saints, Paul says, and he reminds us we're to live into that reality with all things about our lives. Live into the reality of God's covenant. So he says, on the first day of the week, each of you is to set aside and save whatever extra you earned. And he reminds us it's for the needy. It's for God's work in the kingdom. He mentions Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the beginning of the church. And Jerusalem is the sisters and brothers of emerging churches that Paul is planning. And Jerusalem people are facing persecution and struggle and heartache. And so Paul is saying, we're all in this together. The victory has been won, but our lives are about the kingdom. And so we give our gifts for the needy. And those are in Jerusalem and they're everywhere around. It's about life together, working, investing for the kingdom of God. So what he wants is for us to see the privilege of giving as an appropriate and grateful response for all that God has done for us. God's amazing grace and saving grace revealed in all those themes in 1 Corinthians. It's about living our lives in the context of God's covenant. We are blessed. We're called to be a blessing. We're part of God's promised and coming kingdom. We seek to invest our lives in promoting the coming of that reign of Christ near and far. It's happened since the beginning of the church. This is our heritage. And it's also our continuing calling to invest in the coming of that kingdom that we see in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you read this month's newsletter, you read how Ginger and I have sought through all our marriage life, 30 plus years, to tithe. In response to God's grace, in response to God's abundant blessings, Ginger and I seek to give 10% of our income to God's work. Most of that goes to the church, this church. 
So when the pledge card arrived this week in the mailing from the Stewardship Committee, we began to talk about our pledge again and about our increasing this year. And we talked about raising our pledge by $500. We would, we thought. That seemed reasonable and generous, especially unsure of what our income would or would not be in 2014. But when we, then we realized that that increase of $500 comes roughly to $10 a week. That's what we might spend on a cup of coffee on several mornings. That's what one of us might spend on lunch as we wander out from the church and find something to eat on any given day. And when we realized that, we, we decided in response to God's love and grace, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. And so we can and we will. We'll raise our pledge more than $500, our tithe, more than $500. And I hope you will think about joining us in some similar and appropriate act in your life this year. The collections that Paul talks about, the collections. It's for the saints. The saints for God's work through the church on these city streets as far as we can go. We're called to invest. Invest in the work of the church for the coming of God's kingdom. See, we are not paying dues as part of a club. We're not. We're giving gifts We're investing in God's work in the coming kingdom of God, which is about the sharing of faith and about hope on the streets of Richmond and in a hurting world. We are not participating in a membership drive, which we often hear about. We're not. So that we can support certain programs, we're not doing that. We are investing in God's work to promote the reign of God in this city And as far as it can go, which is about nurturing faith of our children and our young people and all of us as adults. It's about making disciples. It's about being a beacon of light in the darkness of this city. It's about being a beacon of hope that extends across the globe. We're not fulfilling an obligation. We're not. We're striving to live our lives in a covenant in the context of our connectedness to God, where we know that the good news has been poured over us, filling our hearts and minds and lives and pointing us in faithful response to live with faith and live with generosity and serve God wherever we find ourselves, in our places of business, in our daily walks, down any aisle of any store, wherever we find ourselves, we're called to embody and point to the reign of God, because death has been defeated and hope is ours in Jesus Christ and life and life eternal has come through Christ our Lord and nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. So we're investing, all of us, to promote God's reign. I want to be who I say I am. All of us, we want to be who we say we are. We're people of the covenant, God's covenant. God is our God. We are God's people. We seek to invest in God's work, in God's reign, promoting light and peace and love and hope through this church to the ends of the earth. That's our calling. 
That's our privilege. May God bless us. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief, and by your Spirit, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us in promoting the reign of Christ our Lord. Amen.